sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old line. This is going to be a tough play. Cubs fans, I am Sean Sears, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. The Cubs complete the two-game sweep of the Indians Wednesday night, winning 7-2. They'll now head back to Wrigley Field to start a four-game set with the Brewers tonight, Thursday. We'll recap Wednesday night's game, including another excellent outing from Kyle Hendricks, and then we'll preview Thursday night's matchup between Hugh Darvish and the Cubs versus Brett Anderson and the Brewers. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Head to rockauto.com, which has amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And then, of course, this episode is brought to you in partnership with CubsInsider.com. Head to Cubs Insider to read all about Kyle Hendricks' changeup usage and rewatch the two home runs from Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant last night. Head to Cubs Insider to read about that and more, official partner of Locked On Cubs. You can get Lockdown Cubs on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast app you use, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown Cubs. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So in this first segment here, we're recapping the Cubs 7-2 win over the Indians. Uh, pretty good game. It, it wasn't necessarily a blowout. The Cubs did pack on... Tech on, I think, three runs in the fifth inning. But Kyle Hendricks and Carlos Carrasco both, both pitched relatively well in this game. Hendricks, of course, he was able to go six innings, scattered seven hits again through those six innings. Great job of not allowing the Indians to rack up those hits. Just one earned run, five strikeouts. He has an ERA on the season now, 3.08. Impressive stuff for Kyle Hendricks. On 90 pitches, he threw 41 changeups. On those changeups, I've got the numbers here, courtesy of Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation. He showed that out of the 41 changeups that he threw, uh, he had nine whiffs, nine called strikes with that changeup. And then Hendricks started working on his curveball this year. It's been a much better, much usable pitch. He, it's not so much just a change of pace pitch. It's a pitch he can really get outs with. He threw it 14 times out of his 90 pitches and induced, uh, I think, Two weak contact grounders for outs, uh, four called strikes, and two whiffs. Uh, his stuff, his secondary stuff was really just on last night, um, and it made a big difference. Obviously, the Indians were stifled. They couldn't really quite make contact with Hendricks. After last night's high outing, Hendricks did move his ERA down to 3.08. His FIP is to 2.27, which is the seventh best in baseball right now. He's also thrown... The third most innings out of any starter right now in 26 and a third. And now has a, a wins above replacement, at least on fan grips, of one. 
which is the second most MLB and tied for the most in the National League Central. Just a crazy start for the season for Kyle Hendricks after one so-so game against Cincinnati on the road. He kind of put those issues to bed in this great outing against Cleveland, who, um, I mean, had another good pitcher going on the other side as well in Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Not bad outing for him necessarily. Four and a third, four hits, three earned runs, five walks, seven strikeouts. Those walks is what was killing him. You could just see he was getting squeezed a little bit. Um, but he just didn't quite have the command that you'd expect from a guy like him. Obviously, the movement was there with seven strikeouts. That'll happen against this Cubs team, especially when you have a guy like Carrasco on the mound. But the Cubs were able to get three runs off of him and then obviously continued to score. Each one of these relievers gave up at least one run going for here. So the Cubs continue the trend of scoring consistently throughout their lineup. Ian Happ talked a little bit about it on 670 to score. Um, We'll touch on that a little bit in the second segment, but he just kept saying these guys are grinding out at bats and it's becoming apparently clear. The Cubs are seeing a lot of pitches and that's what's making these relievers have to work so hard. That's why they're getting and and attacking these guys is they're really just on top of some of these relievers pitches, pitches. And when they're not getting their pitch, they're not swinging. They're not chasing balls that we used to see them before. I mean, Javi will still have the curveball; He'll swing and miss on but they're not necessarily going at these relievers and trying to smash balls that aren't quite in the zone. They're being very particular. They're choosing their pitches. They're working counts. At the very least, this guy is going to work to get them out. There's no more. We're seeing very few rollover outs is what it felt like last year. The Cubs continuously did. So going through the scoring in this game, though, a couple home runs to start this game. Anthony Rizzo starts it out in the top of the third. He ropes a Homer to right field. Absolute no doubter. 2-2 fastball. He pulled on the inside. It was a two-seamer that pulled away and slapped right on the inside corner. And Rizzo just all over that pitch. That's his money ball. Smashes it to right field. Super low, but straight out. Uh, No doubter. Walked, uh, trotted around the bases with two chains around his neck. These two cold chains. Uh, The internet loved that. Cubs up 1-0 early on. Then top of the fifth, it's Jason Hayward who hits a fly ball sacrifice with the bases loaded after Rizzo and Baez singled. Baez then stole second while Contreras was up to plate. Uh, Actually, so Rizzo moved to third on the single, Baez stole second, and then Contreras struck out. Ian Happ was then intentionally walked to get to Jason Hayward who had a sacrifice fly, scored Rizzo on the play, and then David Bodie. A single into right field. Baez and Hap score. Bodie gets caught in a rundown, though. He's out, but Hap still manages to score in the play. The Cubs now up 4-0. The Indians do get a run back against Kyle Hendricks in the bottom of the fifth. Jose Ramirez hits a fly ball sacrifice into left center field. Tyler Nyquin scores after he led the inning off of the single. Got moved over to second from Sandy Leone. So, the Indians get one run back. Cubs still up 4-1. Chris Bryant against Adam Simber smashes an 0-1 fastball, low part of the zone, out. Absolutely gone. Uh, No doubter, his second home run of the year, and this comes right after Chris Bryant had made a diving stab in in left field, obviously playing because Schwarber was scratched after he had a pitch hit his knee. We saw the replay in Marquee yesterday where the, the damage was done. It was just a breaking ball that landed directly on his kneecap, which had to be nasty. So they gave Schwarber the day off. Bryant in left field tries to make a great play. Wasn't, after reviewed, wasn't a catch. They ruled it as a trap, even though it looks like he got his glove underneath it. But either way, he hurt his wrist on the play. He was kind of holding it, slow to get up. Comes back the next inning and, and clobbers the ball into left field for a 5-1 lead for the Cubs, his second home run of the year. 
It stays that way for a little bit while, or a little bit longer until the bottom of the seventh when Francisco Lindor hit a single in the center field, uh, scoring Cesar Hernandez on the play. The Indians get a run back. It's 5-2. And then top of the eighth, Jason Kipnis, the former Indian, hits a ground rule double it, into left field. One hops just barely on the right side of the line and then out of play. Hayward scores. Carantini moves up to third. The Cubs get a run back. 6-2 now. Then top of the ninth, Jason Hayward hits a double into right field, scoring Ian Happ, who got on base with a walk prior to that. So Happ scores from first on the play. Cubs get another insurance run. They're up 7-2. Jeremy Jeffress closes things down for the Cubs. They win 7-2. So good win. It, It wasn't necessarily a blowout win. They just did a great job of containing the Indians in moments when they did have. There was a couple jams for Kyle where he did have to work out of a bases loaded jam. Uh, the relievers in this game pitched relatively well. Dan Winkler went two, two-thirds of an inning, a run, two walks, though, and a strikeout. That's what got him pulled. Rowan Wick came in. The run that was allowed was given up. While Wick was at, on the mound, but it, or excuse me, yeah, Wick itself, but it went to Winkler. Uh, Wick gets the hold on the night. He goes an inning in one-third allowing just one hit, three strikeouts. Great performance again from Roanwick, who still has yet to allow an earned run. And then Jeremy Jeffers, a strikeout, uh, no walks, just one inning of work. Pretty low-maintenance game for the the bullpen after Kyle gave him six strong innings. So, I mean, this was a, a slam-dunk win. The Indians were the first team, I think, on the Cubs' schedule. They'd seen that it were truly one of the better teams that, um, you know, uh, they're the only team with a winning record at the moment that the Cubs have faced, but they're also a team that had legitimate pitching, should have been a real test. There were some real superstars in that lineup and guys like Lindor and Ramirez. Um, and the Cubs weathered the storm quite easily, honestly. But none of these games were necessarily nail-biters. They weren't dominating them by any means, but they came across and really just started to pour it on in moments and took advantage of the times that they were collecting these hits. I mean, you look at the end of the day here, I mean, the Cubs walk away with eight hits, same amount as Indians, but uh, Kyle Hendricks is that difference there, obviously, stranding seven of those hits through those six innings. So the Indians got one more hit after Kyle Hendricks left in the sixth. So, I mean, that's the difference. The Cubs just seem to be taking advantage of these moments, and as we've talked about before, this whole lineup is hitting one through nine. It's not so much Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo leading the charge every night. It's it's guys like David Bodie. A couple nights ago, it was Jason Hayward. Hayward tonight, he was one for two with two walks. He got on base three times. That's impressive. That's not something we see from him. Ian Happ still very much in the mix. Still one of the best hitters on this team right now. He's got an OPS of 10-15. The only one better is Jason Kipnis. But it's Kipnis, uh, Ian Happ, and Wilson Contreras that have really done a, a huge job driving the runs. I think their collective weighted runs creation plus right now is 172. That's incredible. For reference, Baez, Rizzo, and, or Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant last year were a weighted runs creation of 130. Uh, for all of 2019, and they were easily the three best offensive players for the Cubs. Uh, right now, it's, I think, at 118, so it's about 20% less than where they were a couple you know, last year, but obviously still plenty of time. Things will even out, but thank God Jason Kipnis, Ian Happ, and, and, and Wilson Contreras have done a great job of hitting because they've really helped propel this offense as the top half has kind of figured some things out. So, Overall, a great win, a big series to beat Cleveland with some legitimate pitching, and the Cubs' offense just continued to go. I think that's a great sign of things to come here. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. 
CBD Freeze with menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with an inflammation-fighting compound like Arcana and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off of your next order when you use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKDOWNMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Winder, often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brands his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and access to autorock.com at home in your pocket. Autorock.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to autorock.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in an easy few clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to autorock.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so you know who sent you. It's us. <laughs> Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, here in the second segment, it's Cubs versus Brewers. We've got you Darvish on the bump versus Brett Anderson. Of course, Anderson, a former Cubs pitcher. His tenure with the Cubs wasn't so great, but uh, it hasn't been much better in uh, Milwaukee at the moment. He's had two starts so far. He got a no decision against the White Sox back on August 3rd. He went just three innings, allowed five hits, two earned runs, had two strikeouts on just 52 pitches. And then in Cincinnati, he did pick up the loss in three and two-thirds innings. He went, uh, allowed four hits, three runs, two of them earned, uh, two walks, two strikeouts, and a home run on 68 pitches. Anderson has yet to make it past the fourth inning in this start so far, and the left-hander is 0-1 with a 540 ERA. Uh, last season, not terrible, 3.89, uh, allowed 20 home runs and just, uh, I mean, not just, 176 innings pitched. Uh 90 strikeouts to 49 walks. Anderson's not anything too special. He's just going to try and induce soft contact. He can strike guys out, especially if he's facing lefties. They do have a tough time seeing him. He does a good job of hiding the ball, but um, the Cubs are familiar, and they, this shouldn't be this shouldn't be something they're worried about, especially with Anderson only being able to go. Uh, dating back all the way to August 30th of 2019, Anderson has not managed to go past the sixth inning. Last time he did that was on August 30th against the Yankees. Since then, he has not been able to really go any further than the fifth inning. Um, so if the Cubs can get his pitch count up, um, he does usually get pulled. I think the most he'll probably throw in a start would be probably 90. He's not a long-distance guy, and I'm, I'm sure Craig Council is using him as such for that reason. So, you know, more than likely he's an opener and go from there. But if the Cubs can get his pitch count up, they can get into this bullpen a little bit sooner. And while the Brewers' bullpen is still pretty good they can still strike guys out it's not the same group we've seen the last couple years uh they're right now ranked i think 13th in war they've got i believe it's like an 11 yeah 11 32 k per nine but they're walking close to three and a half batters per nine innings and also have given up uh nearly 
Their home run fly ball rate is 1.50. That is one of the higher rates in baseball right now outside of like just some really bad teams like the Cubs who have a 2.12, Phillies and Reds. But among like the actually pretty talented bullpens, they they haven't quite executed in the way you'd expect them to. Um, So that's a huge difference. Uh, Not home run fly ball rate, by the way. Home runs per nine innings, by the way, excuse me. Home run fly ball rate for the the Brewers is still 17.4, which is still very high. Um, So the bullpen's not quite as strong as it used to be, and the starters have never really been excellent for the Brewers. So hopefully this is a good matchup for the Cubs. We'll have to see. Just never know with the Brewers. They always seem to come away these fluky starts against the Cubs. But on the mound for the Cubs, it's Yu Darvish, who has been fantastic to start the year. 2-1 on the year with a 2.12 ERA, 16 strikeouts to just two walks. That's the big key to statistic there for you Darvish's walks when he's not walking guys he's most likely mowing them down in his last start against Kansas City he went seven innings allowed just five hits one earned run one walk four strikeouts and 93 pitches his second his first one of the season came against Pittsburgh in a six inning game allowing just two hits no earned runs a walk and seven strikeouts his only loss was the single loss against Milwaukee though four innings six hits three earned runs five strikeouts no walks and 73 pitches so Maybe a remount performance against Milwaukee back at Wrigley Field. Uh, Darvish has been just absolutely incredible, though. Uh, reading through an article through Sports Illustrated yesterday, I saw Hugh Darvish's fastball is the hardest average velocity and highest spin rate of his career. So his average velocity right now is 95.4 on that four seam, and the spin rate on it is a career high, which is impressive. Biggest thing about spin rate, especially at a pitch that's going about 96, 97 miles an hour, that spin rate makes that ball look a lot faster, induces a lot sooner swings, and guys tend to miss those pitches. But the big aspect of it is with that spin rate, it makes it harder for people to pick out his cutter, his slider, his curveball, because <laughs> they all spin relatively well too. So unless someone is really sitting on a heater and gets it, a lot of times they aren't squaring up you Darvish very well. And it's why people are batting only 167 against his fastball on a whiff rate of 42.3%. That is nuts. Nearly half the time Darvish is throwing his fastball, people are swinging and missing. That's incredible. And then you have to factor in when his cutter comes in with that late movement, moving away or in on left-handed or right-handed batters, wherever that pitch will go, obviously away from right-handers, in on left-handers. Um, and he's also just been able to really control his walk rate. Obviously, a 3.1 walk rate since last year or the beginning of this year is incredible. A career low, 26.1 high hard hit rate. It's absolutely clear that Darvish is not giving up a lot of hard contact, isn't getting hit very hard, and it's throwing quite a few strikes. He's just making it incredibly hard for pit, for hitters to really attack him. And the only time we're really seeing guys get a hold of him is when they do guess right and hit a ball and drive it out of the park. That doesn't happen very often against Darvish right now, though. So he, him and Hendricks going back and forth with each other right now, is, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to watch Darvish maybe come up with a little extra something to kind of show that that, uh, that first outing against uh, Milwaukee wasn't all that he could give out here. Speaking of the Brewers, though, they're 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. They have not won a series since their second series of the year. After facing the Cubs, they beat Pittsburgh 2 out of 3. They just got smacked by the Twins and lost 2-3, or three, and Twins scored a lot of runs in the last game. The Brewers not scoring a lot of runs in general. They're averaging 3.88 runs per game. It's bottom five in the league, whereas the Cubs are only getting outscored by the Rockies, averaging two point or 5.27 runs per game. Uh... I don't know. This Brewers team just doesn't seem seem to have it. They've lost Lorenzo Cain, who did opt out for the season. 
due to COVID. Christian Yelich is coming back a little bit, but still doesn't quite look the same. Um, you know, this is a team that doesn't have a ton of really good pitchers in their rotation. Um, and their offense is built pretty much exclusively off Christian Yelich right now, who's batting 175 with an OPS of 744. He's got four home, run- home runs on the season, and he leads the team in RBIs, but he also is third on the team in strikeouts. He's walking more than anyone else outside of maybe Eric Sogart. Sogart's got 10 walks, and Yelch has nine, but this offense is not producing tons of runs, and a lot of it has to do with Christian Yelich not quite being Christian Yelich yet. So maybe that changes, and the Brewers figure out a way to find themselves back in this I guess central division race here right now, but it really does feel like it's, it's two teams being the Cubs and the the Reds who do despite all that, the Reds are five and a half games back behind the Cubs because of their hot start. And St. Louis who hasn't played a game in, in weeks now has only played five games on the season is somehow still in second place because of their three losses and two wins. But it was announced that the, the Cardinals will be postponing their game Friday with the White Sox. They should be traveling to Chicago in hopes that they'll be able to play the game Saturday and Sunday. But there was a player, or one of the Cardinals coaches did test positive for COVID today. So the Cardinals have now postponed Friday's game, still traveling to Chicago to hopefully play the White Sox Saturday. Regardless, they play the Cubs after the, after the Brewers anyway, so they will be in Chicago. So that makes sense. But, man, uh... This is just tough. I, you have to feel for the Cardinals to an extent, because at this point, they, they likely are just following protocols. They're just dealing with more and more of these COVID cases popping up because of, you know, them hopefully not breaking protocol, but, you know, having to deal with an infection outbreak on their team. Not much you can really do in these situations. And it's frustrating, especially because other teams are now having to kind of put their season on hold because this is happening to this other team, but you also can't really blame the Cardinals. It, 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 this is going to happen, and you just have to do the best you can to try and navigate through it. So that's what teams are attempting to do against the Cubs lineup right now, though. Is Ian Happ was on 670 to score today, talking with Matt Spiegel, uh, talking about how it, exhausting it is for pitchers to face the Cubs lineup because of how mentally locked in and how well the Cubs are grinding out of bats. But according to Ian Happ, it really is. It's really the mentality of grinding out of bats, of fighting off pitches until you get something you want to hit, of understanding what the guy might throw in different situations or not being afraid to take a walk or pass it to the next guy. And that's really a special part of our lineup. One through nine, anyone in that lineup can hit the ball out of the ballpark. It can hit a, he can, can hit a double and score you from first. Obviously, he's talking about how different this lineup is compared to last year and Chris Bryant mentioned something about that as well too just saying you know that more so this year than every any other year just feels like a lot of these guys are are having great at bats and you know making the rest of this lineup feel comfortable being able to take that walk pass the baton down whereas a couple of years ago Anthony Rizzo might choke up and try and crush a ball that might be ball four because he knows his team isn't driving in runs so it's a good thing to see, but even taking a look, like it feels like the Cubs are grinding out of bats. It's because they are. They're averaging four, 4.20 pitches per plate appearance, which leads all of baseball by quite a huge margin. And they're doing that right now with guys like Rizzo, Schwarber, in the top six of seeing pitches, as well as Javi and KB also being above league average. So they're seeing a ton of pitches, and this is something we saw a ton when the Cubs had Dexter Fowler, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo at the top of their lineup. 
Now having someone like Schwarber who's working out patient at bats, he's having some of the best at bats on the team, according to David Ross. Javi's become more patient and, and, and picked his pitches, figured out when he should be taking those crazy corkscrew swings and when he shouldn't. Chris Bryant's always been an incredibly patient hitter, and a guy at the top of the lineup seeing pitches for the rest of this lineup has been huge. This is a huge pain in the butt for other teams because if you're a starting pitcher and you have to go up against Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez, and these guys are now showing patience on top of Schwarber batting in the fourth hole, you're you're probably going to throw five to six pitches to each one of these guys, or in this case, four, five pitches at each one of these bats. You've thrown nearly 20 pitches <laughs> through the first four batters, if that's the case. It's incredible. Michael Cerami pointed this out, that the slash line for 2016 to the 2020 Cubs looks very similar. In 2016, the Cubs slashed 256, four or 343 with a two or 429 on base percentage with a 303 Babbitt and 10.4 walk rate at this point of the season. The Cubs right now, 244, 343, 432 with 302 Babbitt and a 10.4 walk rate. Uh, pretty close to the same numbers, and we're seeing why that's working, especially when the pitching has been so great. Another big factor to that is the Cubs' defensive runs. They're tied for fourth, I believe, with nine defensive run saves on the season. They also have the highest ground ball rate turned into outs. So any ground balls or bunts that have been put into play, 83% of the time the Cubs have converted those into outs. That's outstanding. That means this defense is once again, as David Russ talked about on the broadcast yesterday, saving games for the Cubs. They are the difference right now, and it's making a massive change, especially for the starting pitching who doesn't have to necessarily go out there and always strike dudes out. They don't have the ability to do that outside of a guy like maybe like you, Darvish. So for Kyle Hendricks to be able to trust his defense more so than he has in the past to get these outs is huge. But that will do it here on today's episode of Lockdown Cubs. Remember to get this show every day. You need to subscribe to whatever podcast app you use. That's Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. Make sure you check out the latest episode of Lockdown MLB Fantasy. You can tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown Fantasy after this episode of Lockdown Cubs is over. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning in to your daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs.